are listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Mess, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and you're listening to season three of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I am the noob, still the noob, by the way, trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. And as you guys can see, we actually have visuals now on our podcast, and this goes for both oh, YouTube yeah. and Spotify. So yeah, you can join us in our virtual studio. But yeah, <laughs> Ryan is the main man with the master plan. So Ryan, what are we talking about today? All right, all right, all right. So new season, and like I said last time, we we were not doing the quotes anymore. So no, <laughs> I need to come up with something daft for us to do. So uh, you know, if you'll just turn your attention towards the TV here, I I I oh, you'll see that we have a tier list we are going to organize. Which, you know, we'll spend a little five minutes to start here doing this. It should be something fun to dick around with. And then we'll get into the meat of the episode. All right? good. Yep, All right, yep, Mez. Yep. I want you to rank the Primarchs in this tier list, right? So, you know, we have all the boys. We've got Horus, Leon Ross, Perturabo, Alpharius, Angron, and so on and so forth. All the boys. Yes. And we have S through a D tier. You know how these work. We've all done yes. this a million times. S tier right? is the best. And S tier is, is like your boy. And yeah, <laughs> D is horrendous. D is just you die. <laughs> like the yeah. All right. Oh, God. There's a lot of familiar names. There is. Right. So I guess we should just start at the beginning. Or do you want to start with the one we all know is your favorite, which is Sanguinius? Uh, we'll take the Sanguinius later. I think we okay. might just take it in alphabetic order, as I can see it is, right? No, it's not. Yes. It's fine. No, it's it not. It looks like it. It looks. It just looked like it. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, but the first three are, and then it just goes to hell from there. So do you want to give, like, a quick recap when you're talking about the characters? Just to refresh my memory and, you know, bring a spark into, uh, well, my memories about the, these uh, these people. Well, yeah, so there's a few of these that we haven't talked about in great detail, right? Because a few of them are kind of like main characters for the bulk of the heresy, or have kind of come up since then. But there's a mm -hmm. fair set that really are kind of like outliers, have their own storyline kind of thing. So we haven't went in huge detail about a lot of these. So some of them are going to be kind of like, they're probably going to be random guessing for how you want to lay them out. Hmm. Uh, so it depends so on whether or not I think they sound cool. <laughs> honestly, yes. Right. I, I... So, so Alpharius, right? We're going to start with Alpharius. Alpharius is the Primarch of the Alpha Legion. Their whole thing is being sneaky and confusing and weird. And yeah. to be honest, he did actually have the power to turn into other people to some degree or another and trick people into thinking he was someone else. Yeah. So he was a pretty cool dude. Uh, and he's also the smallest of the Primarchs, as you might remember, because he's two different guys. He's a pair of twins, Alpharius and Omegon. But everyone thinks he's just one guy called Alpharius Omegon. <laughs> nice. So what well, do we wait, have? Wait, when you say it like that, the smaller than the rest, right? I can't help but think that classic uh, cartoon trick with both of them standing on top of each other with like a trench coat over. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something he would do, to be honest with you. I mean, it's tricky. It is tricky. That's true. I, uh, I haven't heard heard much about it though. I think. Yeah, he's not one that we've went into great detail about. He's the one that tried no. to assassinate Horus, and then midway through the fight, Horus realized they were brothers. 
Yeah, I think. <laughs> nah, he's C tier, bro. He's C tier. Okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. C-tier. Also, I'm, I'm really glad. Be... I... Hmm? Yeah, I'm, just I'm really be glad I... with this one. Oh, okay, <laughs> you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really glad I found this website that someone had pre-made this, because it made my life a lot easier. But also, I found this other one, which is just all the Primarchs, but as, like, anime waifus. And I found it really funny. Right. I just wanted to show you that this exists. Why did you want to show me that? My eyes. Because it amused me. Okay. Anyway, that's what we're doing. I just want to get a heads up here, especially for the people on YouTube. I don't know if this is possible on Spotify, but on YouTube, when you're watching through the app, you can actually zoom in on mobile devices. So you better can see uh, uh, the, the screen. Oh, the I didn't list. know you could do that. Look at you, all yeah. the tech knowledge. Tech knowledge. So remember, you guys can uh, zoom in uh, if you want to see the tier list. In, uh, to be fair, I need to zoom in to read half of these. <laughs> oh my eyesight, we're getting old, right? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, I've always been old. Okay, right, let's get through this. Angron, what do we think? You know Angron, he's an angry dude. He's the one, he's the one with the nails in his skull that make him feel incredible pain if he's not being violent. Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> I remember this dude, Angron. Um, because I'm always angry, like the Hulk and Angron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, but with me, I'm either very happy or <laughs> down in the dumps. I'll put yeah. him as B tier. Okay, that seems not... like a good one for me. Yeah, not quite A tier, but he's like, ah, it's all right, it's cool, it's cool, yeah, it's brutal, yeah. it's Warhammer. You know? Yeah, he epitomizes Warhammer 40k quite well. Mm. All right, Corvus Corax. Primarch of the oh. Raven Guard. He's basically like a 14 foot tall emo. Have you, have you ever seen that meme of like the big goth on a train holding a raven on his arm for some reason? No. Have you not seen that? It's like a classic no. meme of just like, it's just this like goth with really long hair sitting on a train looking all sad and he's got like a raven sitting on his arm. I <laughs> That's think basically getting... Corvus Corax. I think we're getting different stuff in our social speed. <laughs> I'm not going to oh, lie. Definitely, yes. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, I know you're, you're a fan of him, right? I like Corvus Corax. He's not one of my favorites, but I like him. Yeah, because I yeah. wanted to put him mid, so in B tier as well. So not like special, special, but like, you know. Yeah, yeah not a bad guy. Yeah, compared to some of the others, he's like, yeah, not up there, but he's not a bad yeah. one, right? Yeah. Alright, Rogal Dorn. He's the one that uh, reinforced the Emperor's Palace in uh, in the run-up to the heresy. Remember yeah. uh, in Season 1, we talked about the Beast, the giant uh, uh, orc that attacked during the yes. whole religious nonsense. Uh, yes. It was Rogal Dorn's legion that all came together, the last wall protocol to protect uh, Earth. And then luckily Vulcan turned up and dump-tackled the thing to death. Yeah. But those guys, they, they right now. The thing is, right, Rogal Dorn's legion are essentially an immovable force or an yeah. immovable object. Sorry, which is incredible because 
uh, Horus always said that while Horus's legion were an unstoppable force, Rogaldorns were an immovable object, and he always hoped that they would never come to fight against each other. Yep. Because no one can root out Rogaldorn once he's like built up a bunker, and no one can stop Horus's legion from charging through your defenses. <laughs> and luckily, that's exactly what happened. The two of them ended up fighting when it came to the siege, and they couldn't yeah. break through Rogaldorn's defenses. Yeah. Oh man, I'm oh Ryan, I'm I'm sitting between B tier and A tier, personally. Okay, okay, that's fair. Because it's big in the story, but I feel like he's a bit higher up. Than the so we want to go A. I think no, I think you put him first on the B. I okay. I don't think okay. we. I don't. I don't think we breach the the A tier just yet. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And I might just be saying that because I want to keep the spotlight at the S tier for one character and have the other No spoiler. I think I think people who's been listening to the podcast knows, but I would I, think let's so. Just wait, let's just wait a bit. It's it's fine. It's fine. I might surprise okay. you. Okay, right. Ferris Manus. No, I don't know if you remember Ferris Manus because he dies really early on. <laughs> He's the oh. one that uh, that is like best friends with Fulgrim. And then tries to get Fulgrim to like turn away from Horus, and then almost dies. They swap swords back because they made their weapons for each other, and then end yeah, up fighting yeah. using the swords they made for each other. Yeah, that's all. Remember that. That's he's a also long time the one. Ago, yeah, he's also the one that strangled a dragon to death in a liver, uh, river of lava, which is cool. By the way, it's very cool. You can't argue with that. But as a character. It's a whole. I I don't know. Are we mm, are we doing it, Ryan? Are we doing it? What do you think? Because I'm not a big fan. <laughs> You're not a big fan. All right, we we D tier them here. I think we breached the D tier. This might be okay. controversial, but uh, okay, <laughs> that's the tier, That's fair. <laughs> the tier at this point, Ryan, looks like somebody who's not a fan of whatever. <laughs> Everything's mid or bad. <laughs> right, this is a lot of like having to make snap decisions because we haven't looked at these characters in huge detail yet. We're we're gonna get past this, right? Oh yeah, I I do believe um we can take this one in the end of the season, right? Yes, to see if it's changed. Exactly. Uh, I wanted to get like a good starting ground for you before we got into this, though. Mm -hmm. uh, right, Fulgrim. What do we have? Yes, right. we know Fulgrim. Cool. Yeah. He is a cool guy. He's all about perfection, and yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> he just wants to be perfect, <laughs> and for some reason, he appreciates art. Oh yes, 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 yes. I know, I know, I know. And then he goes mad with his own painting that's made of yeah, you know. No, no, that was just a, that was someone painting him. Oh yeah, I know, I know. I know. And then he got but... possessed by a sword and trapped yeah. in a painting. It was a whole thing. He had a whole weird week I going on there for a while. I like Fulgrim, though. Um, he, he's a cool guy. He's, he's half snake now, which is quite weird, but, you know, whatever. That guy's watched a little bit too much anime, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking either low A tier or high B tier for me. All right. Do you feel like Fulgrim is worth breaching the A tier for? That's the question. I, I, I think so. I think so. Okay. That's good. I, I like that. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I think so. 
He's because right. he yeah we talked a lot about him. Yeah, yeah, he, he deserves that a tier spot. Yes, I think so. Uh, what do we think about Gilliman? Right, we've yeah. talked about him probably the most, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instant A tier though. Instant A tier. Instant A. Is he better or instant worse than Fulgrim though? That's the question. Oh, he's better, 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 better. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right, Jagatai Khan. Do you remember Jagatai Khan? He oh, was the I one mean... guy during the heresy that decided to wait until he found out what was going on before randomly taking a side and killing people. <laughs> well, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like mid, in my opinion. I'm sorry. All right, are, are we going B or C or or Ankan? Uh just B, I think. Okay, that's B. fair. Uh, we have the Night Haunter, whose name is half cut off. Uh, he's the one that was basically Batman on his home world, and then uh, became a space terrorist once he got his legion. Yeah, I've, I've seen some memes as well with the I am Batman, or oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What am I dishing, though? Yeah. I don't know, I think this might be a C or D tier. That's fair. We don't know much about him. Which way are we going? I'll put D tier. It might just change during the season, but I, for now, I think it's a D. It very well might. All right, Lion L. Johnson. What are we thinking about hey, him? Lion L. Johnson. Um, can you give me a story uh, recap real quick? So Lion L. Johnson is the Primarch of the Dark Angels. He, yeah. he honestly fights like an old school knight. And during the heresy, he was one of the ones that got sidetracked by Lorgar and all that stuff, so he wasn't able to get to Terra to help out. But he was one of the very few that, even after taking all the losses, dealing with all that stuff, actually rallied troops to go to Terra. He just got there too late. But even, like, Corvus Corax and stuff were all like, no, there's no point. Like, we've the fight's lost. Whatever's going to happen's already happened. And the lion yeah. was like... No, absolutely not. We're going. Just if we can help for five seconds, that's more than I like. That's that's useful. Let's do it. So he took some yeah. of Korax's troops and everything, rallied his dudes, and headed in anyway. Oh, so he's a very noble man. I think just because of the principles, I would like to put him in A, but I don't, don't think he is quite A tier though. I think I've said that a lot. I actually like Warhammer, by the way, for the people who wonder. <laughs> Sorry, I get the idea that you don't really. Uh, I think he's in between Angron and uh, Rogan. All right, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Oh god, yeah. that works. In between those, All right, yeah. all right, Lorgar. What do we think? Remember, Lorgar was the one was like the first one to turn to chaos because he'd accidentally worshipped it his entire life up to that point briefly thought the Emperor was actually what he was worshipping. Wasn't. Got in a lot of trouble because he kept, like, converting planets religiously to worship the Emperor. Uh, got his planet burnt because of it. Uh, and then uh, eventually just decided to turn Horus evil too. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> Alright, can we do this? Alright, we put Ferris Manus up in C tier. <laughs> <laughs> and then we put Lord Car on bottom of the D tier. <laughs> it's yes. D tier just for terrorists now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's fair. 
All right, your boy Magnus. I I hey. can't even. I, I'm not even going to bother with an explanation. Of this guy, you know Magnus. No, no, I spend most of my life talking about Magnus. <laughs> You've made TikToks about Magnus. I have. Personally, he is the highest in A tier right now. Cool. Okay, I'm into yeah. that. All right, Mortarian. We've mentioned Mortarian a bit because he is the one that's all about poison and you know fortitude. So like. His way of winning a fight is basically a full frontal assault, but not faltering is the main point. He'll, like, wear you down with attrition, right? So you can have a bunker full of defenses and stuff. His guys will never stop running at you, though. You're gonna break eventually. That was, like, mm. his, his, like, way of dealing with stuff. It's bury through with attrition. Mm. He's a cool guy, though. He carries a scythe. <laughs> <laughs> like at no point when everyone's got a gun is a scythe a viable weapon but this guy does it anyway <laughs> entire galaxy's got chainsaws and guns and this guy was like no no a, a farming tool that's the weapon for me he's cool too though but I, he, I don't, he's a cool I don't guy. think I don't think he goes be above C tier I might be harsh with this one though uh, that's fair that's fair do you want him in C I think I'm going to take him high C. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Alright, Portarabo. What do we think about Portarabo? Uh, he, he is the one that is also really good at like defense and designing stuff, like Rogal Dorn, but unfortunately, because he was so good at that stuff, he was always forced to do like military stuff with it, and all he wanted to do was like be an architect and design a bathhouse, and his dad never <laughs> let him. So he just became really bitter. <laughs> That's basically it. So nah, he's... he's he's very similar to Rogal Dorn in a lot of ways, but he's evil. He's... Uh, I think he's bottom C. I'm sorry. That's fair. We, we haven't went into him in much detail, so it's fair that... Actually, if you look at this, right, the, the spread is actually the ones we've talked about most are highest up. Oh. Right? I did not clock that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so actually, the less we've talked about them, the lower they tend to be, unless they've got a gimmick. Like, Alpharius has a gimmick, right? Yeah, and Ferris, Menace. And Ferris has a gimmick as well. But, like, the the less we've talked about them, the lower they get, which is interesting, because it shows that, actually, this will probably change a lot after the season. That's actually quite interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's very change. promising. I mean, who knows? In the end, my Ferris Menace might just be S tier. No. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Maybe. Never. Right. right. Lehman Ross, I want you to know he is your guy. Right? He is the yeah. Viking Primarch. <laughs> right? So, how, how do you want to play this? Uh, I just want to say shout out to Lehman Ross, uh, fellow <laughs> Viking. Uh, you know, I can flex now, Ryan, on the, <laughs> on the podcast. I can flex now. Let's go. I totally forgot. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're so happy A about that. Instant A tier. Where, how are we yes. wanting him? Yeah? Uh, in the bottom, in the bottom A tier. Okay, that's fair. You don't know much about him yet. Yeah, All right. But yeah, boy, Sanguinius. Should I just S tier him now? S tier every single day. He has wings, bro. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Yeah, boy, Vulcan, who is the biggest Primark, is technically immortal because he just comes back to life after a certain amount of time. 
Uh, yeah. Is a master craftsman when it comes to weaponry and probably anything else, as far as I'm aware. And he is an absolute unit. Yeah. I do like him, though. I think... He's a cool guy. I will be harsh, though. This might be, be, be harsh. I think he's... I think he's top B tier. That's fair. That's fair. I'd give you that. Because yes. he's one that sounds really cool, but we've not went into much detail with him. So I'm yeah. I'm cool with that. And now we have the last one. Horus. Horus. How do you want to set Horus in this? I actually want to do something before. All right. Okay. Yo, yo. Oh, I, I, I. So Magnus. Magnus the Red. Yes. Chuck him down to D. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Put Magnus some respect on his name. Put him up on S tier. Just behind right. Sequinius. That's fair. S tier. And we Horus like is definitely high A tier. Top A tier, I think. All right. I like okay. him. I, li- I actually kind of like Horus. He's a cool guy until cool. the whole going mad thing. But, you know, up yeah. until that, cool guy. He, yeah. he likes to yeet people from battlements, and we're all about that. <laughs> Just chuck him out like, Ugh. <laughs> I can respect that. Yeah, all right. So this is our tier list as it stands at the beginning of this season. And I'm sure everyone will realize this season is going to be about Primarchs. Yeah. And it looks like a pyramid, like, you know. It does. But Nice. I think it's time that we get into the bulk of this episode. All right. Lay it on me, Ryan. I, I, by the way, I like it should be a five-minute sec- uh, five segment, and we have 21 minutes in it. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, yeah. in today's episode, Mez, you are, for the sake of this episode, a baby. Okay. Well, Okay. A metaphorical or theoretical, whichever way we want to go with it, baby. But like Quite still you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. You're still you, but you're like you're a baby for the sake of this, right? You're you're innocent and blind to the universe around you, unaware of who or what you are, or who or what your parents are, or any of the horrors or wonders of the galaxy. Right? Alright. Yep. The year is somewhere between the year 700 and 800 of the 30th millennia, right? Okay. So to give you a summary of what's going on at the time that you are this little baby, Slanesh has just recently been born. The Eldar are still recoiling from their decimation at the hands of Slanesh. And the warp storms ravaging the galaxy have finally cleared, right? Mm-hmm. Now, on Terra, the Emperor of Mankind has established the Imperium, and with the aid of his right and left-hand men, Malkador the Sigilite and Trajan Valoris, leader of the Custodes, he has scoured the earth of all those who would see the Imperium fall and unified mm-hmm. humanity on its homeworld. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. But that is not where our story begins. The story of you as this sweet little baby boy. Your story begins with you, little theoretical, metaphorical baby Mez, being yeeted through space and possibly other dimensions and crashing to ground on a random planet. Okay. All right. So I'm a tough, I'm a tough baby. <laughs> oh, goddamn right you are. Right. You land on the planet of Caliban, which you can see here. All right. Here. Nice. I pointed the wrong yeah. direction. Right. This is a world covered in dense forests, right? Mm -hmm. But while it is beautiful, 
it is also deadly in equal measure, right? The forests are filled with these gigantic, ungodly beasts that take on all manner of weird forms. And they seem to have, like, a, a malicious intelligence behind them. They are aware of what they're doing, and they're cruel to a point. And they all take yeah. different forms to allow them to be horrendous in different ways. So it's truly a remarkably dangerous environment to be a baby so like stranded on this random planet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you'd agree. Yep. But nonetheless, you survive, right? No one knows how the hell you manage it, but you survive, right? You grew and you learned the ways of the forest and how to survive and how to fight and how to kill, right? You were even able to kill some of these great beasts on the planet with your bare hands. Exactly. Yeah. Those hands. Yeah. <laughs> these, these hands. hands. <laughs> and these guns. That's it. Oh, that's exactly. a TV. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the, there's a freaking laptop here. Oh, yeah, sorry, continue. All right. So by the time you are 10 years old, right, you already stand over six feet tall with a build to match, right? So basically, by the time you're 10, you're just you now. No, I, I wish, but yes. <laughs> you're but slightly taller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Right? You are built like an absolute tank, right? Mm -hmm. And you're truly a force to be reckoned with, right? Because of your, mm -hmm. you know, ridiculous size and build. Now, one day, while stalking the forest so that you call home, you come upon one of these great beasts. And naturally, because it's a great beast, you start kicking the living crap out of it. Because yes. how dare it be in your forest, I guess. I don't know. Now, while you're locked in like furious combat with this monstrous beast, you hear this really loud bang ring out, and it echoes all through the forest. And you find yourself wounded. So being filled with rage at the fact that you've just been wounded and you're confused, you just end the beast that you're fighting. You basically just snap it in half. Alright. <laughs> now, you then turn around and find a group of humans, clad in power armor, carrying swords and bolt guns. Now, the fact that you are basically feral because you were raised by a forest that you murdered most of, yeah. You have no idea what any of this stuff is or what's going on or why these people are here or who they are or anything. And immediately one of the men raises his bolt gun intending to finish you off because he shot you. <laughs> right? yeah. But, no, actually, I want to take a point to explain this, right? Think about this from the others, like, from their side, right? They've basically <laughs> just, like, turned a corner in a forest and found some gigantic ten-year-old with a bullet wound dripping with blood. <laughs> so you can understand why they might think, I'm just going to shoot him again. Yeah, try to finish it off. Double tap. Yeah, like, this can't end well otherwise. Yeah. So. Luckily for you, one of, or probably luckily for for them, based on the, the kind of murderer you are, uh, one of the men from the group steps forward and stops the, the, the one that had raised his gun. And he convinces them to take you with them instead of killing you. 
because you're yeah. both clearly human and clearly a very capable warrior because they just watched you tear one of the great beasts in half with your yeah. bare hands. So you're obviously an asset that they should claim, right? Mm. So this man, the one that stepped forward and kind of spoke in your defense, is Luther. He is a knight of the order and soon your best friend. He manages okay. to convince your feral brain that you should go with him. Like he tries, you know, does the hand signs of fucking follow us, you moron. <laughs> right? He eventually manages to convince you you're supposed to follow them. So you do. Yeah. And they guide you back to this gigantic monastery, but it's like a fortress monastery in the middle of the fo- a random part of the forest, where Luther gives you a name. Lion Ale Johnson, meaning the lion. Mm. The son of yep. the forest. Uh, it's a, there's two reasons behind that name. The lion is because you're clearly like the most dangerous thing in that jungle. And until that point, they had thought that the uh, Calibanite lion was the most dangerous because it's the most dangerous of the great beasts. So you were named after it. Uh, yep. And son of the forest because you were clearly raised just in the forest being a feral Psychopath. Yes. <laughs> so if you hadn't picked up on now, you are, for the sake of this episode, the Primark Lionel Johnson. Oh, I did I did pick up on it. Uh, I'm glad you figured that, that much out. I was like, alright, so I'll put myself in seats here. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a mistake. That's hilarious. God it's very it. unfortunate. <laughs> okay. So in time to come. You grow under Luther. Luther kind of like takes you in and is like, look, I'll teach him. I'll, you know, take this part. So he teaches you to speak, which you pick up incredibly quickly. He teaches you the ways of the people of Caliban. So you learn how that world does things. Yeah. uh, So the people of Caliban have been shut off from Terra for nigh on 5,000 years, right? And it is a world ravaged by great beasts. So humanity built walled cities to protect them. So it's very Attack on Titan in a way, right? But rather than Titans, it's just Titanic monsters. Um, So most of the world is basically unsettled wilderness, aside from a few of these fortress cities. And within those cities, society has come to like a feudal state. So it's like nobility and then commoners that are basically peasants. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, That's the hierarchy here. And the powerful people had uh, orders of knights uh, formed to protect the people, like in medieval times. It's very much like medieval times. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have people that go around with swords and bolt pistols and act as knights defending the towns from these uh, great beasts. For the record, just so you know, right, the people of Caliban, the knights, are still able to have like modern day power swords and bolt guns and power armor uh, because they still have some semi-intact STCs. So they were still able to print out some of that stuff to keep them going. So they're not like fighting these giant weird monsters with like a normal sword. It is like the same one people would use to hunt space marines. Yeah, you know, so they are well equipped. They are actually suited to do it. Like the gun they're firing isn't like ones we would have. It's still launching a grenade round and blowing holes in stuff. <laughs> uh, so that's basically how this world works, right? And Luther and the men that discovered you belong to an order simply named the Order. 
which is possibly the least creative bit of writing I've ever heard in my life. But that's how that works. So you have been taken in by the Order and Luther and raised as part of it. So you grow up and become a knight. The last trial for becoming a knight is to kill a great beast, like, on your own, basically. Which is nothing to you, because you can basically yeah. growl at them and they turn over deed. I'm cool like, as hell. Ah, you've been murdering them with weapons for a long time. Imagine they give you a gun. <laughs> right? Like, yes. bare hands are one thing. Now I've got a sword. <laughs> <laughs> so, you had no issue becoming a knight. At all. But, alongside doing all that stuff, growing up through the Order and everything, you and Luther grow to be really good friends. You become best friends, really. Uh, and you learn how to work off of each other's kind of strengths and weaknesses finding that you are an incredible strategist and a force of nature when it comes to martial combat, and Luther is an incredible uh, orator, for example, of one of his skills. Uh, mm. Do you know what an orator is? No. It's essentially the skill of speech, being able to like convince people of things and stuff like that. Like diplomacy, oh. in a way. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, so that's one uh, of like, his many strengths. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, together, you two rise through the ranks of the Order because you become such a good team. And because you're working so well together, you start taking on loads of more difficult quests and things like that. And you really make a name for yourselves. But in mm -hmm. doing so, you make a better name for the Order, making it more popular. Because everyone wants to work with you two, because Luther and Lion are the best team and they're doing all this incredible stuff. They want to be like you. So yeah. loads of people go to join the Order rather than any of the other knightly orders on the planet. So there's a sudden swell in recruits and a sudden swell in the numbers of knights that they have. And because of this, you and Luther decide, you know what? We've got the guys now. We've got the manpower. Enough's enough. We are starting a crusade to end the great beasts once and for all. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Emperor and his sons, they love a good crusade. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing they do. Basically, like, half of the Emperor's sons had already ran their own planetary crusade before the, like, the Emperor even finds them. <laughs> it's very weird. It's just a thing in the genetics, I guess. Everyone's got, the, like, the, the crusading gene. <laughs> it's written in stone. It's in history. And ingrained into them. That's it. So... Once you settle on this, right, uh, Luther starts using his, you know, diplomatic skills to convince the other knightly orders to send troops to help, right? Mm -hmm. So you're trying to get every every knight on the planet, basically, to agree to work together for this. Yeah. And you get basically all of them. There's a couple that are holdouts, to be honest with you, but eh, fuck them. Uh, and together, with all the other knightly orders... You managed to eradicate the great beasts. The planet is now safe. Thanks to you. Thanks to you and Luther. And you're and welcome, as... by the way. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it, Caliban. <laughs> you ungrateful bastards. So as like a reward for what you've done, for you know, leading the, the crusade and organizing it all and everything like that, you are given the title of Supreme Grand Master of the Order for leading the crusade, and with it, you demand fealty from all the other orders of Caliban, hunting down and killing anyone who refused to join 
thus uniting Caliban's people under one rule. Yours. Exactly. As it should be. As it should be. Yes. Uh, now, we're going to backtrack just a little bit, right? Because something interesting happened during the hunt for the last great beast, right? Okay. Now, shortly before this point, uh, Lionel Johnson, you know, you'd started having some weird dreams, right? They seemed awfully, uh, awfully realistic, right? And what you saw was the stars falling, right? In a random clearing in the forest. Very strange, very worrying dreams, right? But mm -hmm. here's the thing. You never really thought much of it. Until this day when you're out leading a hunt for the last of the great beast, you enter a clearing and you recognize that as the one from your dream. Now, that's confusing in itself. But the stars aren't going to fall, obviously, because that'd be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But something does happen. From the sky descend a bunch of space marines on uh, with jetpacks, basically. <laughs> And they land in front of you and greet you. And shortly after, realize that you are one of the Primarchs. They were a scouting party sent ahead from the First Legion, the Angels of Death. So shortly after, you meet with the Emperor, who obviously takes you in as one of his sons, and gives you control of the First Legion. So the guys that found you were actually your own kids. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then rapidly the planets, because it is now safe because you've killed all the great beasts, starts to be uh, colonized by the Imperium and brought into the fold properly. So it gets massively upscaled and built out heavily and industrialized. Things like that. Yeah. So a bunch of stuff happens after this point, right? Mm -hmm. So first things first, you rename the Legion. The first Legion, which was the Angels of Death, are now renamed to the Dark Angels because there is an old myth on Caliban which refers to the Dark Angels. So that's why you rename them to that. Now, I'm going to show you something here real quick, actually, because we mentioned uh, we mentioned the, the whole ceremony of you becoming the Supreme Grand Master of the Knights. And here you are as the Supreme Grand Master of the order, very I cool, very nice beard. Yeah, I dyed my hair and grew out my beard. <laughs> That's it. But you are equally jacked, so there's that. It's a very attainable look, I'll be honest. Yep. I mean, considering yep. like some of the other Primarchs out there, uh, this this is attainable, actually. So. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think yeah, like him and actually... Gilliman are the two that you could realistically do. <laughs> yep. Like, Corvus Corax is somehow skinny, tall, and jacked at the same time, which is very weird. <laughs> I don't know how you can be skinny and jacked, but he is. It's very strange. It's, no, like, it's just like one the duality of that man. Like <laughs> basically, yeah. friend, right? And the, the rest is just muscles, right? Yeah, that's basically it, yeah. That's the dream. Oh, that's it. So with uh, with Caliban being brought into the kind of imperial uh, way of doing things, one of the things they do is start recruiting from the order to fill in your legion, because your legion's already been fighting all over the galaxy. 
for the Great Crusade. So there are some members that have dropped, but also this is your home world. This is the Primarch's home world. So that's where you recruit from primarily. So all the younger members of the Order are put through the trials to see if they will become Space Marines and then undergo the surgery, assuming they're young enough. Any of those who are too old to undergo all the surgeries are still genetically modified to bring them closer to a Space Marine, allow them to fight alongside, even if they aren't full-fledged, you know? Might not have all the extra body parts, but they can probably fight as well as one, you know? Probably not, like, as resilient to poisons and stuff and toxins. Probably uh, don't have, like, the ability to spit acid like the rest of them. But they're still jacked and they can still, like, punch a hole through a wall if they want to. So, you know, so Luther is actually the first one to undergo this surgery, this genetic modification, to bring him up to a closer standard. And as such, he is the first of these to join the Legion. And he becomes your second in command. Because he was before, he should be now. You know, you trust him. He's your man. Yeah. He's your he's your boy. You trust him with <laughs> your, your life. Boy. <laughs> yeah, boy, Luther. My man. My <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. So, as fitting for the Lord of the First, you are given a ship to act as your Legion's flagship. The first Gloriana class battleship ever built. Now, I want you to know a Gloriana class battleship is lost technology. They don't make them anymore. Right, okay. there are a few that still exist. For example, uh, Gilliman uses a uh, one of his legions' ancient Gloriana class battleships as his flagship for the crusade he is currently undergoing at the moment in like modern day. So there's a few still existing, but they can't build them anymore. They've like lost the information on how to do it properly. Right. It is an absolute wonder of technology, and you get the first one ever built, which means it's got a lot fancier stuff than any of the rest. They did the first one nice, and then kind of like half-assed it on the rest. Mm. Yours is all fancy and polished and, you know, gilded for some reason. (laughs) As it Uh, should be. As it should be for the Lord of the First, damn it. Now, I want you to know that a Gloriana-class battleship stands about 20 kilometers in length. Yeah, that's the size of this thing. (laughs) This is what I mean when I say it's a fucking big ship. Uh, It is named the Invincible Reason, which is a very weird name, but it's dramatic and it suits, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How dare you question me? My reasons are invincible. (laughs) Uh, Okay, lion, chill out. (laughs) Uh, and for the record, it is outfitted with some of the greatest tech seen since the Dark Age of Technology. It is an absolute relic. It is yeah. incredible. 20 kilometers long as well. I know, right? It's an absolute wow. beast. Freaking workout in itself. <laughs> Just to get to one point to another. Holy shit. I, I feel bad for the guy whose job it was to walk up and down like spreading information or something like that. I feel bad for the ones who have to clean it. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Imagine that. It's just got a mop 20 kilometers. <laughs> Surely you get one of the only ones you can drive on that buffs the player. No, no, discipline, Ryan. And it's one ah, guy who has to do it all. Yeah, he has to do one at all. <laughs> they won't even use like a servitor that's not aware of how boring or tiring it is. They have like an actual normal guy, just so yes. that he's like, you gotta take pride in your job, damn it, John. 
<laughs> promising like a promotion and stuff like that. He never gets it though. No, <laughs> he never gets it though. Climb the corporate ladder. No. <laughs> Real war. The only ladder you get to climb is to the next deck, so you can mop that one too. Oh uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, within your legion, you found it to be unfortunately, rife with, like, vainglory and overconfidence, despite the fact that before finding you, they had basically been running headfirst into a lot of badly planned campaigns and basically messed their legions uh, their legion up pretty bad. Like, they had just kept taking on fights that they were never going to win and using horrible planning. It was not a good situation, but they also thought they were better than everyone else. Just... <sighs> So you were like, all right, this needs to be fixed. Sick of this shit. This, this ain't going to fly with me in charge. All right? <laughs> so you challenge the captain of the company that found you, or that's been given to you by the emperor, I guess, to a duel. All right? You take on their mm -hmm. highest ranking officer. Now, he is allowed to wear his suit of Terminator armor, right? Which is basically like the Hulkbuster armor from a... From Marvel. The, from Marvel, yes. I yeah. can't remember which movie it's in. Um... You didn't wear any armor. I don't need it. And, of course, because you still kicked the ass. Yeah. But you earned each other's respect along the way. Yes. He fought well, despite the fact that he is a dick. <laughs> so, in doing so, you earned his respect and the respect of his troops, and vice versa. And you got your point across that that's now not how you're going to do things. Everyone's going to do it the way you say to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you kicked his ass, so you're in charge. You do open the floor to anyone else that wants to challenge you, though. You'll take on anyone. You'll give them the chance to test themselves against you if they don't believe that you are, you know, worth following like that. Yeah. So it could be the lowliest new recruit decides... He's had enough of you. He doesn't. Need, he doesn't think you're worth following. Like, all right, bring it on, and then you'll throw him through a wall, and that'll end it. But he'll yeah. learn. But you'll always this, hear them out. This is like the old kingdoms, right? I believe I can't remember which kingdom it was, where the, the king was always ready for to be challenged by any peasant, or you know, right? Everybody. Oh much. yeah. But just like uh, there had to be like a, a space between like two days where he could rest, or something like that, from in, in right. between battles, but. Other than that, it's fair play. I like that. Yeah. See, that that's the kind of or uh, kind of leader you were. You were the kind where you'll give anyone the chance to voice their concerns, but yes. you will still kick their ass. I will still kick their ass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you'll still give them the chance to talk about it first. Uh, yeah. So, alongside these kind of changes that you started making, another one that you did was you decided to alter the way the Angels of Death had have, had been organized, right? So mm. prior to discovering you, there were 18 hosts of Dark Angels, or, well, Angels of Death, sorry. Um, and essentially, they all acted as separate battle groups with different strategies for different situations. And they all had a weird name. But in the time between their first kind of, like, launch into the galaxy and finding you, they had been whittled down to six hosts, right? So either either hosts were merged or they were killed, one or the other. But they ended up with six by the time they found you. Mm. And this is called the Hexagrammaton, right? Or the six wings of the uh, Dark Angels, 
right? So they are the Dreadwing, the Deathwing, the Ironwing, the Ravenwing, the Stormwing, and the Firewing, right? Yes. Yeah, and they're all designed for different purposes. That's all, right? Now, you saw fit to change this slightly. So you you combined those kind of teachings that went with all those different kind of wings with the teachings of Caliban and its knightly orders, thus providing a more kind of organized and refined concept for how the Dark Angels would do things with you in charge. Okay. Right. Now, obviously, because they have only just found you, the Angels of Death, prior to finding you, had already had a homeworld, right? And they had a Grand Master in charge who had since died. So a council was of like elders was running things from this homeworld, right? And they have a big fortress monastery thing there as their home base. Now, these guys got kind of pissed off when you started changing things because they're old and they don't like things changing. So mm-hmm. there was some arguments starting to go on with some of the old dudes, right? Just keep that in mind. Okay. So now that you had dealt with your legion and, you know, their vainglorious bullshit had been dealt with, you took uh, 20,000 of your new legion. So this includes some of the ones the emperor gave to you when he, when he you know, came to meet you and a bunch of new recruits that came from Caliban. So people that had been in the order with you. You took 20,000 of them to go round up all the other scattered battle groups of the Dark Angels that are all over the galaxy fighting in the Crusade. Because you're in charge now, you need to get them all on the same page, right? Yeah. Because at the moment, you've got 20,000 of them that are doing things your way, and God knows how many out there are doing things there the old way. Right? That can't stand. So you need to go deal with it. So you take these 20,000 guys and you go around and you fuck up the captains of all the other battle groups. Basically, every time you find one of them, you challenge the captain to a fight, you kick his ass, and then open the floor to anyone else that wants to fight you. And you kick their ass too, till everyone's on the same page. Yeah. I don't care about that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was that was nice. I like that. So in just a few years, you had gathered a hundred thousand of your legionnaires to you, and you had, you know got them all on the same page. Mm -hmm. But you are gathered on the the Legion's original homeworld, I guess, where this old council is. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. It's basically like Grammary or Grammary, something like that. It's a weird weird spelling, right? But this is where the Legion's original kind of main monastery fortress thing was. So you're gathered there with all your troops that you've kind of got on the same page because the council has an issue with what you're doing, what you're changing. So they bring you in and they talk over everything and then they challenge you to defeat their champion, right? If you defeat their champion, you prove that you are the rightful ruler of what is now the Dark Angels and they will accept you. Simple as. Now, the champion is is he is titled Master of the Host of Fire, and his name is Pyrus Caligat, which is a quite a cool name to me. Now, you fight this guy for over an hour, right? Over an hour, laying into each other, <laughs> and eventually you come out on top. And by winning the trial, 
you gain the title of Grand Master of the First Legion and the Six Wings of the Hexagrammaton. So you're now the Grand Master of the whole shebang, and no one's going to question you. You are officially, and as it should be, the Primarch of the Dark Angels. They are your sons, and they are doing things your way. Yes. And to mark the occasion, you swear an oath to your children, and in return they swear an oath to you and to each other, to always, Mm -hmm. basically to follow you and your teachings, and to have each other's backs, essentially, to keep each other honourable, in a way, and to be honourable in return. like that. Yeah. Now, this is the point where the storyline goes kind into the Great Crusade and then subsequently into the Heresy, right? But it occurred to me that I wanted to do a season talking about all the different legions, right? Mm-hmm. And... It seemed to me that the sections about the Great Crusade and the ins and outs of the heresy from each legion's point of view is really more of a topic for the legion rather than the Primarch, right? Yeah. So I'm going to save that, that middle section of, of your storyline here for when we get to talking about the Dark Angels as a legion rather than as the Primarch. Okay? All right. Right. So what we're going to do, because you already know the gist of the heresy, you know you know how it ends up for most of them. Yeah. We're going to go to the end of the heresy and give you what happens to you at like with the ending of the heresy and the aftermath of it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right, I just want to make sure you're on the same page, right? So, moving forward, as I mentioned in the bit right at the start of this episode when you were asking about the different characters... Lionel Johnson was one of the Primarchs that was not able to make it to the Siege of Terra to help out. He was one of the ones that was sidetracked by Lorgar and all his bullshit. Yes. So, he returned to... Or, after he actually got to Terra with reinforcements that he had scraped together, they were too late. Right? They were too late to stop the Emperor from being interred on the Golden Throne and they were too late to turn the tide of battle. So, you go back to Caliban to recuperate because you are injured. You've been fighting for a long time. You were just willing to push yourself to the brink of death to try and turn the tide of the fight for the Emperor. Right? You were one of the very few who actually would push yourself that far and it's purely for honour. It's purely yeah, because I've you all, believe it's the right thing to do. It's what should be done. A, always been a righteous uh, tryhard. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> now, Not in a bad way, by the way. That's honourable. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable thing to be. so realizing that it was kind of over and there was nothing really you could do you returned to Caliban to recuperate and let your legion recuperate because you left a small amount behind to protect your home world 10,000 roughly dark angels were left behind with Luther in charge to protect the planet Uh, and upon arriving there thinking oh we're going to go into orbit then land on the planet or go down to the planet and we'll be able to chill out and kind of heal and start recruiting again, build ourselves back up and, you know, take the fight back to the enemies now that things have passed this critical moment. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, upon arriving in orbit, you are immediately bombarded by the planetary defences. Yeah. That's a bad day. Yep. That's a bad day. So you retreat and you are like, well, what the hell's going on? Why the fuck am I being attacked by my own planet? So 
you manage to like hail a ship that's passing by, which is a merchant vessel, and go, what the hell's going on? And he tells you that the guy in charge is nuts, basically. So you're like, well, what the fuck's going on with Luther? And you realize he's also been corrupted by chaos. He has poisoned the remaining legionaries against you and against the Imperium because your right-hand man also felt the chaos. So, naturally, naturally, you bombard the crap out of the planet from orbit, (laughs) trying to scour all forms of chaos from the world in holy fire. (laughs) So you just start unleashing barrages of explosives onto that planet. Yeah, it was not an easy decision, though. That's beloved ones on that planet. Exactly. Now, you also decide that you need to go down to the planet to clear the monastery and deal with Luther personally. So you and a bunch of your troops go down to the planet, enter the monastery, and fight your way through some of the corrupted marines that are there being dickheads. And eventually you find Luther, and you realize in talking to him that he is completely corrupted by chaos. Much like Horus, he's not him anymore. He's someone entirely different. And thus, battle ensues. And he has been powered up by the gods of chaos. So you two are, like, decimating the fortress while fighting each other. Because you're basically on even playing field. Until he uses some of these new god powers that he has to use a psychic attack against you and mortally wounds you. And okay. as you as you fall to the floor, dying, it's as if a veil is removed from Luther's mind, and he realizes what he's done because seeing what he had done to you caused him to reject the chaos gods. So he becomes himself again as he sees you fall to the ground. Yeah. And when the legionnaires that had came down with you find or enter the room that this happened in they find Luther on his knees mumbling incessantly about how you were taken by the Watchers in the Dark. And they search for you and find no sign of your body. Yeah. Now, the thing is that the planet has been being bombarded for a while now, and it's starting to crack apart. And because Luther rejected the Chaos Gods and pissed them off, they decided to warp storm the planet, causing it to actually break apart. Now, luckily, the Fortress Monastery of the Dark Angels is incredibly heavily shielded. So all that's left of Caliban is a little asteroid with the Fortress Monastery on it called The Rock. (laughs) <laughs> and that is technically their home base. It's just a little asteroid with a building on it. <laughs> so, obviously, moving forward from that point, you have the chapter stuff about how uh, Gilliman splits all the, cha- all the legions up into chapters. So the chapter that remains the Dark Angel maintains the rock as their main base and stuff like that. Uh, also, during the warp storms that attacked the planet, or that destroyed the planet finally... Uh, the 10,000 or so space marines that were there that were corrupted were scattered across the galaxy and they're now named the Fallen because they're, you know, Fallen Angels because they fell from grace. Yeah, so now I think it's the death wing of the Hexagrammaton. Their entire thing is hunting down the Fallen 
Like, in modern day, they just hunt down the 10,000 random chaos dark angels that are still dicking around. Damn. It's like one fool sixth of that legion is still hunting down 10,000 guys that may or may not be alive. <laughs> Which is very fun. But, that is it. So, for, what, 7,000 years, maybe? Is it 7,000? Yeah, it would be... Oh no, actually, it would be 11. Would it? No, 7. 7,000 years, yeah, because that happened in... Oh no, that was M31. Sorry, yes. Right, sorry. Got my timing wrong. For 11,000 years, so from then until modern day, no one knows where Lionel Johnson's body is, other than mm. the Watchers in the Dark. Now, the Watchers in the Dark are a weird thing, right? They are a little race of, like, robed creatures that are not affected by the warp, much like pariahs, like the blanks. Mm. And, or at least not affected by it very much. It might be like a partial effect or something. But these guys work for the Dark Angels. They're just, they just roam around the monastery helping out and stuff and doing weird shit. But no one like really knows much about them. They're just this really secretive, creepy race that just skulks around in the darkness of their place, and they just accept that they're there and they do stuff, I guess, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> so apparently, they took the body, and no one knows where, what they did with it. <laughs> and that is the story of Lionel Johnson. Let's go. Yeah. Now we've been at this for like an hour. And yep. there's one more bit I want to do today, so we're going to add a little bit more to this first episode, right? Because right. I've got a I've got a Warhammer 40k news update for you. Okay. okay. So I'm going to take a minute to explain kind of what's been going on in a very vague sense in the modern day, right? Of 40k, because we've only really done up to uh, the fall of Cadia. And there's been a thousand years since then. So yeah. I kind of want to give you an idea of the kind of stuff that's been going on. And then we'll go to the news update because it's a modern thing. It's a new thing that's occurred. So it makes sense to do it in that order. But we're not going to go into too much detail. It's not going to ruin anything for you, really. So, All but, right. Right. so uh, as you know, the Imperium faced its darkest day at the end of the 41st millennia, which is when Cadia fell. Abaddon yep. the Despoiler destroyed Cadia, despite the Imperium and the Eldar's best efforts, causing the Eye of Terror to grow into the Cicatrix Maledictum, which is a huge tear in the galaxy, splitting it into two halves. One side is Imperium Sanctus, which is the side with Terra on it, and the mm. other side is known as uh, Sanctum Nihilus. Right? Mm. Now, Imperium Sanctum having Terra on its side and, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing was immediately reinforced by the returned Primarch and the returned Sisters of Silence and the Unnumbered Sons, which were the Primaris Marines that Belisarius called built. So immediately, as soon as everything went to hell and Chaos had a much more powerful hold on the galaxy because the Eye of Terror is now much bigger, one side of the galaxy suddenly had a lot more good guys fighting for them especially more powerful ones or more useful ones in that particular time. So that side, you know, had an easier time of it. It didn't fall quite as far as the other side, 
the other side was left without the light of the Astronomicon, so they can't even travel in the warp, because they can't see Earth to use it as a guide. Because So they just have to move blindly through the warp now. But on top of that, they were ravaged by enemies and chaos corruption, and they were just left to deal with it themselves. So, for one side of the Imperium, things got so much more grim than the other. Right? It only got darker as well, right? Because Chapter Master Dante, the Chapter Master of the Blood Angels, right, okay. had been placed as Warden of Sanctum Nihilus. So Gilliman named him to be the one in charge of protecting that half of the galaxy. Now, that's all well and good, because Dante is a tank, and he's really good at what he does, right? Sanguinius right. has blessed that man personally, right? But... Their home world was attacked by a, a a tendril of one of the a, what they call space bug hive fleets, right? A Terranid hive fleet attacked their chapter's home world and decimated it. Luckily, they called in reinforcements from basically every other Blood Angels like chapter, like successor chapter. Um, so all of them got fucked up pretty bad, but they did win the fight. They did beat the Tyranids, right? Mm -hmm. But it devastated their numbers. So there's so many less space marines, and they're all on one planet for a while. So everywhere else isn't getting defended, basically. <laughs> so that got worse. <laughs> yep. Now, luckily, they are reinforced by some of the Primaris marines. Each chapter gets their numbers fleshed out by newly blooded Primaris blood angels. Mm -hmm. So their numbers go back up, but you're trading, you know, veteran marines for newly blooded uh, Primaris. Well, the Primaris are bigger and stronger, but it's not the same as someone who's been doing this for like 3,000 years, you know? Yeah. So that side of the galaxy is in a really bad way. <laughs> so elsewhere in the galaxy, on that side of the rift, there is like, Chaos marines and stuff ravaging the planets. There's uprisings of chaos corruption. There's aliens fucking stuff up. Like, orcs are still dicking around messing everything up as well. Terranids are attacking even more places. The Necrons are doing shit again. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And basically everything is in a state of panic and disarray. But all the religious preachers are going around telling the people that everything's fine, that we're winning, that Gilliman's Indomitus Crusade is taking back worlds and is going to save them all. And it is complete bullshit. <laughs> it is not true at all. They are barely holding on and struggling to keep what little they have. Especially now that a new Chaos God has arrived. Oh. There is a fifth Chaos God, he is a minor deity, so he's like he's not one of the big guys, like the like you before we talked about. He's basically a demon, but like with worship, with like the same kind of like basis as the de uh, as the gods have. So yeah, he he is powered by invention and innovation, right? Okay. Yeah. So that that's where he that's what worships him. Whenever you make something, whenever you invent or innovate or anything like that it's worship for this guy uh, people think that he started to form because of the dark age of technology but yeah. his name is Vashtor the Archifane 
he has basically made a, a point of rising at this stage just to make things even worse. Right. So he teams up with Abaddon the Despoiler because, you know, why not? And builds a bunch of ships called the Arcs of Omen. Right? They are basically space hulks, so ships that have all been mashed together by the warp and abandoned, carved out and turned into proper actual navy vessels with tons of ungodly new creations in technology because he is the god of inventing shit, so he did. So he invented a bunch of stuff to make these arcs the most dangerous, hellish creations ever, and then gave them to people like Abaddon the Despoiler to go ravage the galaxy with. Nice. So it just gets worse. <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Nice. And yeah. to cap it all off, Angron has reappeared after being destroyed ages ago on Armageddon by a hundred and something grey knights that most of which died. Most yeah. of which gave their lives to defeat him. He's turned up again. The last remaining, like, ten grey knights of that group chased him down and just got murdered by him. Yep. So, Angron's running around basically with no one trying to stop him, now in charge of his legion again, and is just murdering his way across the galaxy. Oh, and he's God. also on that side. That sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, so mm. I want you to know, this, this is the Imperium's darkest day. Okay. <laughs> right? right. This is the worst it's ever been. I cannot stress uh, that enough. This is the worst ever shit. Been. It just went yeah. to shit. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the thing, right? Uh? All is not lost. There is hope, right? There are some good things happening to outbalance the bad, right? Now, Rebooty Gilliman is still fighting on with a handful of the arcs having been destroyed, right? Mm -hmm. Now, some of them were destroyed by chapters of Space Marines, God knows where. Some of them were destroyed by orcs. Orcs destroyed one for some reason. Uh, Eldar took down one of them because they were dicking around near Eldar shit. Um... Mm -hmm. Some of the Chaos guys just turned on each other and messed up some of them. So a handful of the arcs have been destroyed, but the ones that still exist are incredibly dangerous, is the problem. But luckily Gilliman is still fighting on. The Lost Company of Space Wolves have been rediscovered, so there's a lot more old-ass Space Wolves going around that have been fighting in a, like, a little warp rift against, uh, against Thousand Suns for about 10,000 years. So they are about the most veteran troops in the galaxy. <laughs> so they've just came back. So the Space Wolves have had a bit of reinforcement and are kicking ass. Ephrael Stern, the heretic saint, uh, has returned and been welcomed by a group of the Sisters of Battle, uh, which is new. They never welcomed her before because she was a heretic. Yeah. Because uh, she, she's a psyker. But she's also a saint that fucks stuff up. So she travelled along a bunch of planets on the edge of the Cicatrix Maledictum, clearing them of chaos corruption, basically building a barrier that chaos has to try and get past to get in now, which is awesome. That's cool. And she is actually like another living saint like Celestine, which yeah. is an incredibly powerful tool against chaos. But all that being said, it is not enough. The tide isn't turning in our favour. 
it's still the bad guys are winning. We need yep. something more. We need more. We need something more powerful. We need something to turn the tide. And from a dark, unknown area of the galaxy comes hope. Yeah. After 11 millennia, the lion wakes, and soon he shall hunt. Lion L. Johnson has awoken, sallying forth from the rock to take the fight to Angron, Abaddon, and the Archifane. About a week ago, they announced the release of the last of the Ark's Omen book, and it is called The Lion. So, as I'll show you here, there is a new model for the raised Primarch. Those little Jawas with him are the Watchers in the Dark. And, oh. for the record, see his shield. That's the yeah. Emperor's shield. I am cool, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Lionel yeah. Johnson, it's me for, the, for this episode. That's for the sake cool. of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hella this, cool. Yeah, this was only announced about a week ago as well at Adepticon. Yo, so, this is recent, by the way. So for the one who's listening right now, this is up-to-date stuff, by the oh, way. Oh, hell just, yeah. Be ready for this season, yeah. by the way. For the record, I was not going to do uh, Lionel Johnson first in this season, but then they announced that, and I had like a week to write up like notes for this episode. I was like, shit, I <laughs> have do to it, do it, it. otherwise yeah, it's not going to make any sense. <laughs> I, this is good. Yeah, no. I like that. There is one last thing, right, that I want to talk about here. Okay. We're bringing back this tier list here, right? Because I'm going to give you the chance... Would you like to move Lionel Johnson to a new spot on this list? Every episode, I'm going to give you the chance to change the one we've talked about. And then we're going to do it again from scratch at the end. Yes. All right. I would like him uh, to go up. Uh, All right. Yeah. right. So he's, he's mid-B at the moment. So he's basically the most middle ground Primark. Where do we want yeah. him? Oh, that's actually good because I thought I'd put him in C, but yeah, he's mid B tier. Oh god. Because now you know about the guy. Now know more, but I I did know about him before, which is like yeah. he he's like very mid before the yeah. episode, but yeah, now you know the ins and outs of him. And now you portrayed him as me for the whole episode, so I I kind of want to put. It... <sighs> It's just honorable. Like the one that got me in the beginning as well, where we talked about it recapped for him, right? Mm -hmm. It was that he couldn't make it to Terra, but he was one of the ones who was like, nah, shit, if it can anything, I'll be, I'll fucking be there, right? I'll, yes. be, I'll do what I want. Which that is was really important for me too. Yeah, yeah, which is like, that's the warrior mentality and instinct. I it, Yeah, honorable combat mentality, which I like. Yeah, if it's not the highest in the B tier, I kind of want to move it up to A because that's that gives me a lot of insights now that yeah. was probably well uh, needed. Yes. Uh, so do you I want to maybe? A? I think A, a but behind in the uh, the late, late, latest one, uh, last one in, in A, I think. Okay. But it does, does, that does deserve a A tier rating, in my opinion, right now. That's oh, definitely, yeah. I might just be biased now because Ryan kept <laughs> calling him for, as me for training us. This, this whole like season, that. every episode, you are a Primark. I need you to understand that. Oh, I did not. That's nice then. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm doing this for all of them. This is my gimmick this time. End of the season, everybody's going to be an S tier, bro. <laughs> 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 oh, 
yeah, I, I like the idea of having you do it basically blind at the start, right? And then every episode, when you learn about that character, you get a chance to reposition them, right? But then if we yeah. do it at the end from scratch, not repositioning, but actually putting them all in from scratch, when you know about all of them, it changes it from how much you liked their storyline as you were going through it to, in the final stage, doing it again from scratch. You're actually comparing them against each other in terms of, like, as a... Oh, God. Like, only in comparison to each other rather than just how much you like them. It's like, yeah. oh, well, actually, I prefer this character because of the way he handles this stuff, which is better to me and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, like like Lionel Justin here with, uh, with Terra. Like, he's, yes. you know... Honourable man. Yes, he's a very honourable man. We appreciate that. We do. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> but I think that's us for today. Alrighty then. Shall I round up the first episode of season three? I can't believe I'm saying this, by the way. This Please. <laughs> it's been a ride ahead, almost now, you know? It has. Please, go All ahead. Right. Well, thank you guys for listening and, and watching. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I have to change the outro then. Let's go. <laughs> well, thank you guys for watching. Um, yeah, it's been me, Mess, and Ryan, and we will see you in the next one. Take care and pace. Bye.